Welcome to episode number eight of Soccer. The Horns unofficial, yet so official, soccer podcast with Bucky Godbolt and Brad Kellner. This podcast is brought to you by Altstadt Brewery, 34 Wine and Spirits, Green Mountain Flower Company, and Brown Eye Clothing. Buck, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. Got to see my first game at Q2 Stadium. I was so excited. Uh, the, the thrill the thrill hasn't gone. I want to go again and again and again because I like a party. I, I do like 90 minutes of straight-up partying, and that's exactly what I got. You know, I, I, I paid attention to the game at times, but I love the party. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And I, I think as time goes on, you're going to start to love the game uh, that the Yokes are going to show us. But as of right now, they're having a lot of trouble scoring, BK. They really are. They're having a lot of uh, troubles putting the, the ball in the net. Uh, they've got a lot of injuries. You know, we're still hammering the eight games on the road deal, which it's, that's just the way it's going to be. You yeah. played eight games on the road. You've got to forget about that. It's now time to start scoring some goals. But uh, the event itself and, and the pageantry was magnificent for game one. And, and I just I, I like to see it over and over again. Now, I can, I'll, I'll start to get into the soccer as – this team starts to really, really build. But let's not forget, this is an expansion team. Mm-hmm. And they tickled us a little bit earlier in the season. But as time has worn on, we're starting to see that they, they are what they are. We will talk Austin FC with Mike Craven, who covers the team for the Austin American Statesman. Of course, three matches in an eight-day span last week for the club, including the first-ever game at Q2 Stadium, which uh, was a scoreless draw between Austin FC and San Jose. A, a very disappointing match on the road at Minnesota United midweek last week, a 2-0 loss for the Oaks. And then the second home game at Q2 Stadium took place a couple of days ago on Sunday against Columbus Crew. A nice bounce-back performance by Austin FC against Columbus and what should be a rivalry for years to come in MLS, sure. but uh, still no goals for Austin FC. So you'll take the point. It's a nice draw. Columbus Crew is your defending MLS champion, and the way Austin FC looked on Wednesday against Minnesota, you weren't quite sure how they were going to look against Columbus. I thought they were the better of the two sides on Sunday, but still, Buck, one goal in the last seven matches for Austin FC, and the winless streak is now at eight for this club. So we're seeing some signs, but still not seeing the goals, and that means we're not seeing the wins either. Yeah, and we're also seeing a lot of injuries uh, popping yes. up, and we're, we're losing really good players. And Jana Pereira, I haven't seen him. It seems like he hadn't played in forever, and he's when he gets in, he hasn't been very effective. But, uh, you know, when, when you lose Alex Ring, you're losing an awful lot. We've seen that happen before, and, and we're seeing it again. And if Stuver's not playing the type of play that he has in goal, there's no telling where this team would be right oh. now. There's this this team has got to pick up the offense, but the players aren't going to change. There's there's not going to be a, a difference in changes. Uh, there there maybe have to be a, a difference in some of the philosophies of what they're trying to do. But this is for the long haul. That's the scary part about this. You can't start making a bunch of changes because then you don't know what is your soccer program. What is it going to be? What are you trying to build around? Are you just trying to build to survive for the year? Are you trying to 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 get this into their minds? This is our foundation. This is what we want to do. We'll start to get the type of players, and you will. The, the players that are here will have to start understanding this is how we're going to play the game because we're not going to change anything up. So you just have to. I think you're going to have to live with it. You're going to see a lot of the same players, and a lot of this now is due to injury too. Yeah, 
You've got the July transfer window coming up. Maybe Austin FC will look into adding a striker. For sure. I know they're looking into adding a striker, so we'll see if they're able to pick somebody up to play that nine position. Austin FC has dealt with some injuries up front this year, including Danny Hosen, who has missed the last couple of matches. Not quite sure when he's going to return. But yeah, the injury bug has absolutely crushed this team as of late. You brought up Alex Ring, who... You see the difference when he's out there and when he's not, right? I mean, you look at some of the more disappointing performances this year for Austin FC. That game in Minnesota, Alex Ring was hurt in warm-ups, did not play. Uh, the game, the first game at Sporting KC, Austin FC had a one nothing lead. Then Alex Ring picks up the red card. He's done. Austin gives up two late goals, and they lose that one to Sporting KC. Like, Alex Ring is your most important player, not named Brad Stuver. For sure. But you're dead on with Brad Stuver. I yeah. mean, th- th- this club has 10 points right now through 11 matches, Buck. If Brad Stuver wasn't playing at an elite level, uh, this club could have five or six points through 11 matches. He has been that good, and he has carried this team. But yeah, at some point, they're going to have to find ways to score. Guys will come back from injury. That will help. But you're right. I mean, this is, for the most part, you might get another piece or two back from injury. You might be able to pick up a player in the DP window coming up. But for the most part, these are the guys you're going to have. So Josh Wolf has to find a way to create some scoring with his group right now. Yeah, I love Fagundes. I love the way he plays the game. I just I, I watched him for two games. He was more of a defender than an offensive guy, and he gave everything he could on the defensive front. He had not. He didn't have that much energy for the offensive part, so he's got to be in a position where he can't play both. Uh, we, we, you know, we see Puchettino and, and the way he plays, he's, he's not a scoring threat. I mean, he's, he can be a great assist guy, but he only has one assist. So, I mean, yeah. we can say they're going to be this, they're going to, Dominguez, they're going to be that. But so far, we really haven't seen that of him. I thought Danny Pereira, when he was in there before he got injured, he was starting to really grow on me as a player. But the injuries now have set him back again that he's struggling also. There's a lot of guys struggling once they're on here, and they play so much defense that they don't, they don't – it's not that they look disinterested on offense – they don't have anything to give on offense. No, no. And they had a lot of high-quality scoring chances against yes. Columbus this past Sunday, right? Not so much against Minnesota, but they, they were the better team, once again, against Columbus this weekend. I mean, Diego Fagundes, not even 30 seconds into the match, had a pretty high-quality yes, scoring he did. chance. Missed the net to the left. Uh, Dominguez had another. He had a couple of scoring chances, too. Uh, they just couldn't find a way to finish, Buck. And that's uh, it's, There's growing frustration. With fans of this club. Now, the diehards are always going to be loyal. They're always going to be supportive. They're right. sure as hell not even considering giving up. But you're starting to see some scuttlebutt on social media, and you're starting to hear it. We're seeing it during our shows. People will text in describing their frustration, which is the lack of offense for this club. But it just feels like it's coming. I mean, they're, they're generating those chances. It feels like they're close, but you know, close uh, doesn't mean much. Well, you know, night. if they get another designated player, I mean, he may be a finisher. Some of these goals that aren't getting finished, they, they've had opportunities. Yeah. You've got to find, you know, you, you'd like to have a striker, but what you'd like to have is a finisher. Somebody can finish. Somebody can finish on a ball that's not a perfectly kicked ball to him. A cross that's not perfect, but all of a sudden this athlete just finds a way to stick it in the net. You're, you, you may come across those things, and I think as, as, as the season goes on, I don't think it's going to get easier. My, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe scoring chances are going to be better, but I'm starting to think they've, they've, they've got into a situation right now is we're going to see what we see right now of a team who's going to maybe, if they get a goal, it's going to be 1-0 because they play really good defense. As you said, they played great against Columbus. I thought it was fantastic, uh, a fantastic match, uh, and, and they were tough on the pitch. But you, the, the, it, the opportunities that they get when it comes time to score, somebody is going to have to be, we can call them a striker, but somebody's going to have to be a real-life finisher. Somebody, mm-hmm. somebody has to finish the not-so-perfect ball that's to you, yeah. the header or whatever. They get a lot of set plays because they're really aggressive 
when it comes to getting set plays and corner kicks. It's like they don't have this tall dude in there to finish. It just it's just they a don't have set. a short dude to finish. They don't have anybody to finish. Yeah, it, right it just now. it's just it is strange. Tell me about your experience, BK. You oh, you went man. for the first time uh, last week. I had a blast. It was a great time. Got to give some love to one of our sponsors, Altstadt Brewery. Yes, sir. They've got a suite at Q2 Stadium, so I was up there. You want to talk about a party? The Altstadt beers were flowing up there. Sweet. It was a great time, but man, that was my first ever soccer match in person. And I've been to a couple of UT women's games. I'd been to some sure. high school games growing up in Dallas. But I'd never been to a professional soccer match, whether it was MLS or World Cup, an international type event. Right. I don't know why it took me so long to go, but I finally went, and it's indescribable. I mean, it really is. Like Until you go there, you don't know what it's like. It is a 90-minute party. There are people standing the whole time. There are people yelling the whole time. There are instruments. Like, what other sport are you allowed to bring in instruments into the crowd and just play them whenever? You know, you think of football and college football. Yeah, there's a band, but they're not playing during the play. They play in between the plays. They play during the TV timeouts. They Love play the at halftime. You've got music and chants and screaming and dancing going on throughout the entire match. It's unlike any other sporting event that I've ever attended. So I had a blast. I know you had a great time, too, and I agree with what you said at the start of this podcast, Buck. I hope I get the opportunity to to go to many more matches oh, yeah. down the road because that was a, a special experience. Yeah, it's great when all the fans get together and it's like, hey, it's Saturday. Let's party. And maybe the soccer, maybe there'll be a soccer game going on. Maybe there'll be a good match right in front of us too. But they got a party place. It's a beautiful place to have. Yeah. Just to just to see people, and you you know you you find yourself sometimes looking more into the stands than you do on the pitch, because right now there's not a lot of scoring. There's there's not a lot of thrill of people jumping up and down getting ready for a score. There's a lot of action in the stands. The the sounds of the trumpets, the the, the drums, the 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 pageantry, and I mean the colors. That 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 green is a pretty mm. green, brother. It really, really yeah. is, you know, and, and it's and it's fun to watch. And you see kids from you see kids from everywhere. And there's a lot of kids in there too that are jumping up and down and having the time of their lives. I don't even know if they know what the scores are. They just know that they had a really nice Saturday mm-hmm. night with, yep. with their family. Absolutely, and they've done a great job too. The supporters, the supporters section, oh my goodness, is spectacular, right? I mean, that's where the party is. That's where the music is happening. But the tifo that they unveiled for the match against San Jose, that was beautiful. That big ass mural with Willie Nelson and Barbara Jordan and Matthew McConaughey, just to name a few. Stevie Ray Vaughan was on that thing. That was badass. And then it was Pride Night for the Columbus game. So right before the match started, you saw uh, in rainbow colors the fans in the supporter section hold up ATS which looked really, really cool. It looked cool in person, but then I went back and saw it on TV, and it uh, looked spectacular there, too. So, man, the diehards, they've been waiting for years for this to happen. Uh, The anticipation has been mounting, and, you know, despite the fact that uh, you don't have any wins in your first two home matches. You haven't quite scored a goal. I mean, imagine how loud that place is going to be yeah, when they finally score. You don't have any losses score. either. Here you don't go. have any losses. We'll take that. But just imagine how play, how crazy that place is going to be with a goal, number one, and then with a win, number two. Despite that, it felt like two wins for the city of Austin, even though they haven't won just I, I would just say this. I, I think people, will they're going to hang in there with it. This is, this is something that's going to be around for a long time. But just wait till they establish what they're going to be like. And you've got two or three players that score, I mean, that are outstanding, yeah. that as soon as they touch the ball, the place goes, like, out of their minds. You know, right now, these guys touch the ball, and you're just praying, can they beat this guy one-on-one? What do you see guys that can, can outrun guys to the corners and get balls on, on net? Now, now this place will really come alive. Now you'll become a real live fan of, uh, 
of soccer in Austin. Portland coming up on Thursday, Buck. Does it finally happen? Can Austin FC score a goal at Q2 Stadium, and will they get a win for the first time in the history of this You have to get it now because when the Sounders come marching in here and LA Galaxy come back again, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. They And by the way, those teams have been up and down themselves during the course of the year. I don't know if there's anybody that's really – I think New England may be doing really, really well mm-hmm. uh, that, that just keep marching on, but – Everybody's had their little lull. They've had their ups and downs. And so for, for Austin FC, maybe this is the one. Maybe Portland's the game because we know it seems like the better team they play, the better they do play. They don't score, but they play pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Portland right now, seventh place in the Western Conference. They're holding down that final playoff spot in the West. They've got uh, what is it, 14 points right now, if I'm not mistaken. 13 points right now. Okay. Portland, one of the more competitive, consistent teams in MLS over the last few years, not having the start of the season that they would like, but you mentioned it. I mean, the schedule picks up sure. after this game. Portland's no cakewalk, but you've got uh, some tough, tough teams coming in. Seattle, LAFC, the Galaxy not too far away either. So hopefully this can be the time for Austin FC to get that elusive first-ever home win. All right, let's go now to Mike Craven of the Austin American Statesman for his thoughts on Austin FC. Welcome back to Soccer, Duh. the Horns unofficial yet so official soccer podcast with Bucky Godbolt and Brad Kellner. And we go now to the hotline to welcome our friend Mike Craven, who covers Austin FC for the Austin American Statesman. Mike, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for the time. Good, guys. How y'all been? Doing fantastic, Michael. Doing great, doing great. Three matches in an eight-day span for Austin FC. It culminated on Sunday with a scoreless draw against Columbus Crew. The winless streak for Austin FC right now is at eight matches, but before we kind of look back at the last eight matches, I want your thoughts on the last eight days, those three matches for Austin FC. Uh, A draw here in Austin in the home opener at Q2 Stadium against San Jose, then a 2-0 loss at Minnesota on Wednesday, and then, of course, the scoreless draw to Columbus. Over the last week, Austin FC, they've been balancing injuries and trying to figure some things out. How do you grade the way that this club has played in that tough stretch where they had three games in eight days for the first time in team history yeah i'd probably give them a c maybe even a c plus you know i thought that san jose game there was just so many emotions going on they had been on the road you know the first eight games that place was packed uh with covid last year you know they hadn't really been in a full stadium yet you know if you go through 2020 weren't playing in front of stands and then even that first seven or eight games until the kansas city game right before the home game there wasn't really any fans in those stands so it had been a while since there had been that much emotion involved in the game, and I think both San Jose and Austin kind of showed that in the second half. I think everybody was a little bit flat. Um, but then that Minnesota performance was bad. You know, I, I think I could argue that was probably their worst performance of the year, and I, I think that was also a little bit of hangover from that first game and finally being at home and all the emotion that was into that. And then you add the injuries. You know, Alex Ring couldn't play, you know, and that wasn't figured out until right before the game. Then Nick Lima gets hurt. And then they come back to Columbus, and I I thought, you know, I think going into the game after seeing that Minnesota game, I think behind the scenes a lot of us had some some worries about where that game was going to go in terms of scoreline and if Columbus was going to come in here and just really route Austin. To kind of see some of their guys that had been nicked up get back into the starting lineup and play full games and – you know, I, I think he, you know, Josh Wolf after the match argued that he, you know, he looked at it more as two points lost rather than one point gained. So I think in that locker room, they think they outplayed the defending MLS Cup champions. So they've been okay. There just hasn't been an end product. There just hasn't been goals and there hasn't been results. And, 
you know, at some point, yeah, you're a new team, but you know, if in order to make the playoffs, they're going to have to get into that 45 point range, and uh, they're going to have to start winning some games in order to to make that come true. You know, Mike, nothing. Not, and there's not enough to be said about the opener and and being inside uh, Q2. I was there for the opener and. It was. They may have been flat, but I was flat with them because I was so busy watching everything around me. I couldn't. I couldn't pay attention to very much that was going on actually on the field. It really, on that pitch, you know, you you wanted to keep your eyes on it, but I I found myself kind of wandering, just looking over and looking over in this corner because it's so new, you know, and 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 it, it's nonstop action. There were more to me. There was more action in the stadium in the stands than there was on the field at times, and I, and I think that takes some getting used to. Like you said, you know, during COVID, you didn't have stadiums that had, you know, had 4,000, 2,000 or whatever. Now all of a sudden you get here, there's 20,000, and you do find yourself, even as a professional, even if, even if you've been around sports before, just in awe of what I saw at Q2. Yeah, I, you know, I think to a man they all kind of said that. You know, I mean, I, I think the adage is once the whistle blows, it's just a game. Well, it's not when it's been 18 months since you've been in front of fans playing soccer. Uh, you know, it was a unique experience for everybody involved, players included. And, you know, I think they played as hard as they can. I think there's just a natural kind of energy dump that comes with that after a while. We see it in, like, MMA or something. You know, guys get into the octagon for the first time, and they just gas out really quickly because of just all the adrenaline that they have built up before the match. I think that's what happened uh, with both teams. I think that first half was a really exciting up and down. And then the second half, you just kind of saw some fatigue set in. Some of that's an eight-game road trip, and I think a lot of that was just the emotion built up uh, for that match because that you know that atmosphere is electric. Like it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, Bob Balu compared it to hockey the other day, and I thought that was pretty good. Until you're there, just like a hockey match, until you're there watching it live, you just don't have an appreciation for what's going on. Yeah, no doubt about that. I was there this past Sunday against Columbus, and it is a 90-minute party. The fans were going nuts from start to finish, and hopefully that can translate into some wins at Q2 Stadium. Mike, I want to ask you about the two guys that I think are the two most important players on this club right now, Brad Stuver and Alex Ring. You brought up Alex Ring a little bit earlier. You saw how lost this team looked defensively without Alex Ring in Minnesota last week. He comes back on Sunday, and they're just much more sound, and it feels like everybody knew where they're supposed to be when Alex Ring was on the pitch. And then Brad Stuver. I mean, this team has 10 points right now through 11 matches. You could argue that uh, if Brad Stuver wasn't in net, they could have one or two points this season. I mean, can you talk about those two guys and what they mean for the back line for this Austin FC club? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Alex Ring. Um, yeah, he's undoubtedly the most important player on this team. Cecilio Dominguez is the highest paid, uh, but Alex Ring costs nearly a million dollars for Austin FC to get him from New York when you add in trade money and, and all that kind of stuff. So he is the focal point of this team. He's the captain. He's a defensive midfielder, which in soccer is equivalent to being like the middle linebacker and the quarterback. You know, you kind of have to be that that main guy organizing the defense and being like the real shutdown dude. But then you also have to start the offensive phase by passing it forward and that kind of stuff. And when he's not there, they're not good. I mean, they're, they're average when he's in there. They're bad when he's not. I mean, the two games he's missed, the Galaxy game uh, that they lost 2 nothing and the Minnesota game that they lost 2 nothing. Now, they've only lost three times this year by more than a goal, and two of them were when he's not there. So he is, he is clearly the most vital player on this team, and he's somebody who uh, needs to be healthy and needs to be going uh, for them to have any semblance of success. Brad Stuver, pretty similar. And at least with Alex Ring, we kind of knew that was going to be the case, right? Like everybody knew mm-hmm. Alex Ring was going to be the most important player on the roster. 
I don't even know if many people predicted Brad Stuver would be the starting goalie a week before the LAFC game. Hmm. Um, you know, he's the second highest paid goalie on the team. Andrew Tarbell uh, was probably predicted to, to start by most of us. So the fact that he was able to get a start and then just like take on that chance is a, is a pretty great story. Um, you know, sports can be cruel, um, but the nice part about it is like when somebody takes a step down, you know, that gives somebody like this opportunity. He's 30 years old. He had started nine times coming into this year. You know, he started 10 times now this year. It's just, it really is a fascinating kind of unbelievable Cinderella story. And he's playing out of his mind. Like, you know, in the press box, we've been kind of joking like Will Ferrell in old school when he answers that question and he just like blacks out. Like he's been playing absolutely out of his mind this year. Yeah, he's a, he's a special player. There's no doubt about it. You know, Mike, as we as we look at the season, how it's, un, you know, kind of unfolding and, you know, we, we talk about the, the eight games. Well, the eight games on the road isn't going away. But what is going away is the fact that they can't score. And we can hold on and talk about eight games and, and this is what happens And when you're on the road. And we're surprised that they, they've, they've gone this far and done some really, really nice things. But, once again, they're not going to recover from the eight games, it doesn't look like. It's, you know, injuries are starting to mount up a little bit. There's a long – this is a long season. There's a lot to be played. And still, they just offensively don't have any firepower. They really don't. And when Alex Ring, as you said, isn't there, they have nothing going on. Uh, the, the two designated players are average at best right now. You know, they're, 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 they're players that can get better. There's no doubt about that. They just haven't been better. Uh, I don't know what they expect. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I can expect in the next game. I'm going to see three goals by this team. I. I just don't know where it's going to come from. They play so defensive all the time. You know, they start from from so far back, and that's that's going to be a struggle when you don't have guys on the outside and guys on the wings that can just absolutely fly and and beat the one on ones because they don't beat anybody in the one on ones, and they seem to be a little nervous when there's opportunities. And they don't get many opportunities. They 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 they've got to take better advantage when you do have an opportunity on net. They've got to make that happen, and especially the designated players. And for Punchettino, he's more of a defensive player to me more more than anything. I think he's played better on defense than he has on offense. Yeah, I mean he you know in Argentina he was kind of a player that played in a similar position to where Alex Ring plays, and so he's been pushed a little bit further forward than I, I think maybe he's he's comfortable with. He's mm-hmm. more of a passer than a scorer. Um, with Cecilio, I mean, he's also playing out of position. You know, he's not a striker. He's not a center forward. He's a left wing, uh, maybe even a 10, but definitely a left winger. And uh, both of the guys who play center forward are hurt. You know, uh, Schoenfeld got hurt before the season started, so we've never, we haven't even seen him. Uh, Danny Hoson has a hip problem that's going to keep him out for a while. And so, um, yeah, he's playing out of position. That, that July transfer window will come around here pretty soon. And, you know, they've been – as honest as they can be about, hey, we need a striker, we're going to go sign one. And so um, it's hard hard to judge the system, I think, right now because, you know, Josh Wolf just doesn't have the parts he thought he was going to have when he went into the to the year. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt about it. They they have to figure out a way to score goals because, you know, they, they play pretty well otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they won the possession battle against Columbus. They created more chances than Columbus did. Uh, defensively, I thought they played pretty well. Um, they had the ball in good spots. They just lacked the individual quality right. able to, to, to finish. And, and right now that just has to do with, you know, roster construction in year one during a COVID year. 
and then also just some injuries. Yeah, they had some great chances in that match against Columbus, especially early on in the first 30 seconds. Diego Fagundes had a grade-A scoring opportunity at the top of the box and just missed the net to the left. Kind of a two-part follow-up question, Mike. You know, number one, is there anything that Josh Wolf hasn't tried that maybe he can try with the starting 11 to generate more scoring? And number two, you brought up the July transfer window and you brought up the thought that Austin FC is going to go out and get a striker. Are there any names that we should keep in mind that could be potential fits here in Austin? Yeah, so, like, I guess first with the transfer window stuff, like, soccer's so, you know, I used to be in, do football recruiting. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if you ask me, like, hey, is there five quarterbacks that Texas needs to go sign, I can, like, get on any list and find those guys, right? Like, soccer's there's so many leagues and so many players, and the money's so different everywhere else, and you don't know what the budget is behind the scenes. It's really hard to kind of come up with this, like, okay, these are the guys that, you know, are really on – on the list. You know, I think somebody like Vincent Jansen maybe maybe that guy. He's a striker down in Monterey. I think he's I think he's Dutch originally, but he plays down in, in Monterey and in, in League MX. So he's a name to keep keep an eye on. But yeah, in terms of like here's five names to know, it's just such a vast, vast world of soccer that Claudia Arena and Josh Wolf are behind the scenes probably with dozens and dozens of names. You know, it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant <laughs> in terms of like your options that you can have. Uh, in terms of what he could do differently you know, I don't really know. I, I think one of the things he tried to do was put Cecilio as a center forward. I mean, he, he had started at left wing the first six or seven games. Danny Hosen's out. That kind of forced that move over. And, you know, they played a little bit better um, there. But, you know, you only have what you have. And, uh, John Gallagher, Jared Stroud, those guys have played mostly in the USL or as backups in, in Major League Soccer. They were available in the expansion draft. And, uh, Tomas Pacchettino, as we mentioned earlier, has not been the offensive threat that I think a lot of people hoped that he would be. So it really feels like Diego Fagundes or Cecilio Dominguez have to figure that out on their own, or it's going to be what we've seen in this last you know, seven games so far. They just have not been able to create any easy goals. And when they have created some chances for easy goals, they just missed. And whether that's pressure, whether that's mentality, whether that's just quality, you know, I think only the people in the locker room probably know that answer. But, you know, whatever that answer is, it's simply not good enough. And, you know, they were pretty honest about we want to make the playoffs this year. We're not just going on into this year as like, hey, we're an expansion team. We're happy to be here. They wanted to be successful. And to be successful, you have to score goals. And right now they're not. You know, for, for Claudio, I, I think this is, is this is an important season for him because I don't I don't think, Mike, they went out to spend a lot of money, even with their two designated players. They uh, they probably could have upgraded from what they got originally, but when you come into an expansion year, I think you got to be careful with your cash, don't you? I mean, you can't. This is a brand new stadium. These are brand new fans, and if, if you go out and spend a lot of money on a guy that that's playing like some of the guys that are playing right now, you got to be careful with that in year number one. I think this is a team that over the next couple of years will go and reach out and stick their toe in the water for some real live players. But I, I, I think it's okay. I, I'd like to see those guys play better. But I don't, I don't think you go out unless you're – like you said, there's so many different leagues. Are you picking the right guy? Are you going to pay this kind of money for a guy that may be the same as you already have? I, I think that's where you have to be careful. And I like the fact that they didn't really do that. I, as a fan, I wish there was more offense. I wish the, the guys were a little bit better. But I think that's a smart play on their part not to do that early in, in the expansion year. Yeah, and if you look at Anthony Precourt's tenure in Columbus, you know, they weren't – the biggest spenders either that's always going to be the galaxy lafc Mm -hmm. new york squads miami so 
you know, they're going to be a, a middle of the pack or, you know, bottom third roster probably in terms of just like straight out cash most of the time. And it's about finding, you know, they're, they're going to want some guys to come in from the academy once they really get that going to be developed in-house because that makes it a little bit cheaper as well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're not going to be in the sweepstakes for like Messi when Messi's ready to come advertise in America for the last year or two of his career. They're going to have to go out and find some bargains uh, do really good in-house in the academy and scouting and kind of win in that way because um, they, they just don't have the budget um, to go out there and, and do that, even if they wanted to. And, you know, I think that fits Claudio. Like, Claudio really wants to be the guy behind the scenes tinkering and coming up with that stuff. Like, he doesn't want to be out front and, and do that, like, the coaching and things like that. Like, he likes player development. He likes the academy. He likes grinding away back there. So I think given time, he's proven in other stops that he's going to do good at this. It's just a matter of, you know, right now keeping everybody engaged long enough to, like, stick it out. I don't think their worry was ever having enough momentum and excitement in year one, probably not even in year two. Uh, This is a year three, year four, year five um, situation for them where they're trying to build for the long run so they can kind of keep this city engaged in this team. Do you think uh, that will play well with this fan base right now? I mean, we know the season ticket holder wait list is out of control, but just looking at social media, it seems like there's some frustration starting to mount a little bit, maybe not for the diehards, but for the casual fans who are hoping to get into the first-ever professional team here in Austin. You think uh, Precourt and Claudio Reyna and company can afford to make this a three-, four-, five-year plan, or do you think the city's going to want and expect to see results sooner than that? Yeah, I mean, they're going to want some results. I mean, I do think there's enough people in this city that are that are ready to kind of get out and have a good time that they'll be able to do fine this year and, and even next year in terms of renewal because it has been a lot of fun. I mean, even my friends, you know, like I'm from Mount Leander, Liberty Hill area, so like I'm not from like this soccer haven, right? <laughs> so all of my friends have been pretty hesitant to jump on this train, and they've been, you know, they've been watching it and all this kind of stuff. They, they've gone to a couple of the games. They like it. And, yeah, I mean, they are kind of getting to the point where, well, you know, this is kind of what we thought soccer was, you know, like nobody's going to score or that kind of stuff. So I do think there's that in a market. Um, but also at the same time, I do think the atmosphere has been good enough. And, you know, eventually they're going to score, right? Like, I mean, even the worst teams in the league figure this stuff out. So, it, you know, they may keep, you know, tying or losing or whatever, but the offense is going to come around once they get some guys in there um, this summer and they get some guys back healthy-wise. So, I think if people stick it out, they'll be fine. And this isn't going anywhere. And Austin's a, a really good market for this. Just the demographics are good. And there's not much else to compete about. You know, mm-hmm. UT football comes around in August, and maybe that'll be an interesting kind of thing to, to watch and monitor. But when they start back up next February, next March, you know, people are going to want a sporting event to go see. And Austin FC is going to be in a prime position to do that. You know, Michael, there is own goal, you know, that is possible. Mm. For the other team, or you're saying for Austin? Score, score. Yeah, just score in either net. Just, <laughs> just, just give just, us a goal. Just kick it in. Come on. Yeah, I understand. I, I, I think the casual fan has just said, Mike. I think the the casual fan will have trouble with this. The casual fan had trouble with soccer anyway. So, sure. it's it's the knowledgeable fan about the game that understands you're not going to have twelve to eight games and things like that. It's like the it's like the National Hockey League. You're not you know you're not going to have six and seven goals scored tonight. You're going to have two to one, three to two. Things like that, and you just have to understand this. But I, I like the thought of your club soccer as it grows, but that does take some time in club soccer. Let me ask the question and, and see if you can answer this for me. Uh, club soccer as it goes, do these guys coming up through the system that are 18, 19, maybe 20 years old, do they get paid through the club? 
Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, once they're once they're adult, it depends on their contract. Some of them sure. just kind of get schooling and housing and training and that kind okay. of stuff. But yeah, there's like a stipend and stuff. I don't, you know, over here they're not going to get rich like they do maybe at like 15, 16, 17 over in Europe. And a lot of that over in Europe is like you know they pay for your room and board, plus you can go to college and stuff while mm-hmm. you're going there. So it's more that than there is like straight checks. Okay. Got it. Last thing for you, Mike, before we let you go, and we really do appreciate the time. Coming up on Thursday, Portland comes to town. The Timbers not having the season that they would like, but currently still in a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, How do you think Austin FC can attack the Timbers, and do you think two things? Number one, Austin FC can score its first ever goal at Q2 Stadium, and do you think uh, they can find a way to snap this winless streak on Thursday? You know, this is the this is the game to do it. You know, and I don't know if behind the scenes coaches and teams talk about that in any sport where if you really look at the schedule, I mean that may be more of a media fan thing, but if you look at the schedule, you know, this four game homestand is Columbus, the defending MLS champion, Portland, and then LASC and Seattle. LASC and Seattle are really good teams. Yeah. Those are really quality teams. Columbus is also a really good team. So if you're looking at this Portland game is the one to get. And they have to start getting some games or they're going to be too far behind to really make a run. So I I think they push the pedal to the metal. You know, um, they're going to try to play, you know, as positive as they can. Um, But at the same time, you know, nobody knew was walking through that door. You know, it's still going to be the same guys out there. And they're just going to have to find a little bit of luck or, you know, a little bit more skill and, and just figure that out. But, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to predict a bunch of goals from the same roster that has given us one since May 9th. No doubt about that. Mike, great stuff, man. We really do appreciate the time. Keep up the great work on the beat, and uh, hopefully we get the chance to talk soon. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. See you, buddy. See you later. Later. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Soccer. Duh. The Horns Unofficial, yet so official soccer podcast with Buck and Brad Kellner. Thank y'all so much for listening. We really do appreciate the continued support. And a special thanks to our sponsors, Altstadt Brewery, 34 Wine and Spirits, Green Mountain Flower Company, and Brown Eye Clothing. We'll be back next week to recap the match against Portland. Until then, y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. Keep it Verde. This has been Soccer. Duh.